Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good day, everybody. We're running early on this one. It's a weekend review and week 13 preview show. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. This is a sportsethos.com presentation, and you're listening to Fantasy NBA Today. I know many of you are watching playoff football right now, so I do appreciate anybody that's taking a break from that to come join us on the basketball side. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, there really wasn't another time to do this show. Uh, I wanted to let most of the games from Sunday end, if possible. Phoenix-Portland hasn't happened yet, so we'll just assess each of their previous ball games as we go backwards through the weekend. But with the games tomorrow, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Dr. King Day, games starting at 10 a.m. Pacific time, there really isn't an opportunity for me to do a show in the morning. And even if there was, it would only give you like, like an hour, two hours to try to consume it before the games actually begin. So what we're going to do instead today is we're going to go backwards through the weekend, reverse chronological lightning style, lightning round style, and then we'll do a quick preview of the upcoming week because we've got a couple of overflow days, uh, opportunities to try to get some, you know, three and four nights kind of things going on. We'll check out uh, injured players coming into the week if you guys have some weekly decisions, and then we'll get you back to business with whatever it is you might be doing with your uh, Sunday evening. First things first, come find me on social, at Dan Vespers. I don't know what happened on Sunday, but like a large chunk of people found me. Usually that means that my name popped up on like a Reddit board somewhere, but um, certainly join the fray, at Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. What else did I want to remind you guys of? Uh, Ethos, the uh, Sports Ethos news feed is Ethos Fantasy BK. The Discord link is in the show description, and please, please, please take a moment to like rate, and subscribe, uh, whatever, however you're taking in this content, that actually does end up meaning uh, quite a bit to us here, myself personally, in terms of the uh, growth of everything we're doing. But we got a lot to get through, so let's just jump straight on into some of the stuff that happened over the weekend. Those uninitiated, I try to treat every show like there's at least one new person with us. We start with Sunday, we just go through the games, we go backwards to Saturday, anybody that didn't play Saturday or Sunday, we try to look at their last game on Friday and kind of reset the board for every team in the NBA, figure out who's a drop, who's an ad, who's a hold. It's impossible to go through every single name, but I'll do my very best to try to hit on basically any player that I see that is notable in any fashion, and we can just start and uh, go from there. The early game on Sunday, Denver beat Indiana 117-109. Indy is still down Tyrese Halliburton and Aaron Neesmith for this ballgame, so Bruce Brown was very much a start. Uh, TJ McConnell was slower in this one doesn't concern me. He's very good in his fill-in job. He was a plus eight in his 19 minutes. I'm actually not all that sure why he didn't play more, uh, but he's he's your fill-in for Tyrese Halliburton. Andrew Nemhart basically can get you a few points and a few assists, but he doesn't do the other stuff that typically McConnell does. That's why we favored him in this battle. Obi Toppin's putting up some decent numbers lately. He's a stream-while-warm kind of guy, but he's coming off the bench, so he's not a guy you can use against your Roto Games cap. And with Neesmith out, Buddy Heald slid into the starting lineup. Buddy's a guy you can definitely start when he's starting. When he's coming off the bench, he's someone that's best left alone. Denver, there's nothing. You start the starters there, and you just sort of hope that they all work out for you. Michael Porter Jr. had a nice ball game, which I think uh, for many folks felt like that was a bit overdue. 
I think he's at number 67 on the year now, which isn't bad, but people are like, ah, what's wrong with Michael Porter Jr.? The answer is nothing really. He's fine. You know, he's been healthy too, which I maybe that's the biggest piece of the puzzle uh, of all for him. So uh, don't complain when things are going fine. Interestingly, Nikola Jokic, for all of his excellent ball games, is still way behind Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Joel Embiid for those top few spots. And just ahead of Anthony Davis, who had a couple of kind of whack games here lately. Uh, that's your top four in fantasy. But that's not what you guys came to hear about. You guys want to hear about guys that are either on or off of rosters. Miami beat Charlotte. Miami doesn't even matter who's healthy for the Heat these days. They just keep finding ways to win. LaMelo Ball at least is back for the Hornets. He's been, you know, decent in his return. Very big popcorn numbers, percentages that are going to hurt you. Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball combined to take 47 of the Hornets' 95 shot attempts in the ballgame. That's half, friends. Miles Bridges was a start. Nick Richards was bad in this one, but generally he's been, you know, in that 100, 110 range fill-in for Mark Williams, who did get upgraded to questionable for this ballgame, I believe. So maybe getting a little bit closer, but let's not... No, that, that's actually not true. He was, still out, he was still doubtful. I'm thinking of DeAndre Ayton. Uh, at some point, he'll show up again. I actually think this is a time when you could buy low on Williams because no one expects him to ever show up, and you could probably get him for pennies on the dollar. I'm a little surprised that P.J. Washington didn't do more in his 28 minutes, but he's playing again, and just given how many guys are out right now, I think you probably could start P.J. Uh, you don't have to, but you probably could. For Miami... Uh, Tyler Hero was back for this ball game, which was a win for them. Uh, Jimmy Butler is still out, not that far away. And then Jaime Akez got hurt midway through. He was having a very good ball game at the time. And, uh, those that are watching, you can see the graphic on your screen. It says out groin injury. And those are never super duper fast, especially if a player has to leave in the middle of a ball game for it. So hopefully he recovers from it quickly. But in the meantime, Duncan Robinson, who was pushed to the bench with Hero coming back, probably ends up getting more playing time. I know Haywood Highsmith got the start in the second half, but his fantasy game is a little up and down. Duncan Robinson is probably the guy you use as the fill-in here uh, if Haquez does have to miss a few basketball games. Or you could just dodge the Heat fill-ins altogether because Caleb Martin is also back. Kyle Lowry is also back. They have a lot of options now. And if Duncan Robinson isn't hot is a chance that he just doesn't get to do all that much. I think he probably does enough to warrant a spot start, but I get it if you don't want to, because again, you play Charlotte, everybody's going to look kind of good. They have a way of, of uh, bringing all the pieces together for you. This uh, Sacramento-Milwaukee game is almost over. They're starting the fourth quarter as I record this show. Right now, no surprises on the Heat side. Kevin Herter back in the starting lineup. Uh... Doesn't matter. You know, he was fine in this ball game, but fine is not going to get it done. So the Heat, basically no changes. Chris Middleton sitting out the second half of a back-to-back for Milwaukee, and Malik Beasley got warm. And that was the question that I posed on social media, which was, hey, Malik Beasley's a guy who needs more shots than he's going to get when Giannis, Dame, and Middleton are all healthy and upright. What does Beasley get to do when one of those guys is down? We know that when Dame or Giannis is out, Beasley gets plenty of opportunity because those guys are the big, big, big usage dudes. But what about Middleton, who's sort of like the medium, smedium usage guy? And the answer here was that Beasley did get more usage. Rebounds, assists, steals, blocks have all dried up after kind of a hot start to the year in those departments. So this is still 
tilting more towards three-point streamer for Malik, but certainly when someone is out, he makes a lot of sense as a three-point streamer as opposed to, like, on a normal day where he's just sort of kind of makes sense as a three-point stream. And the other nice thing about this Minnesota and Clippers game, which also is starting the fourth quarter at the time of our recording, is that we don't really have any questions to answer with the Clippers, so, you know, who cares? Like, Paul George is having a quieter ball game, but who cares? And he could still get on in the fourth quarter. Kawhi's been great. Harden's been great lately. The Clippers are a very easy team to handicap. Um, Ivica Zubats was out for this one, but Daniel Tice didn't do even remotely close to enough in his fill-in role to make much sense at all. Uh, we're getting visited by my younger son. Thank you, Theodore. That's a lovely sticker sheet. Can you go back and uh, help mommy cook dinner while daddy does a live show? Minnesota, uh, also a team that doesn't have a whole lot in the way of storylines. Anthony Edwards having a big ball game. Uh, Jaden McDaniels, every once in a while, he has a game where you're like, why can't he do this more often? But for the most part, you're not changing much on a day-to-day other than trying to figure out if Nas Reed is going to be hot on a given night. And in that case, then you start him. Okay. Well, Screaming Child uh, out of the way. Let's go back to Saturday because Phoenix-Portland hasn't happened yet. Boston blew out Houston. Uh, Rockets did get Dylan Brooks back. So, I mean, that'll help them. Get a win here and there. It didn't in this one. Um, Amon Thompson, 10 and 10 off the bench. Cam Whitmore at 22 and 8, but a lot of that was blowout related. Sort of garbage time racking up stuff. Uh, I think with this Houston team, you're pretty much just playing Shangoon, Van Vliet, and probably Jabari Smith Jr. right now in 9-cat. Whitmore is very interesting. We know he can play. We know he's a good basketball player, but presumably guys will continue to come back for this Houston team. And in a game that's tighter, the minutes just won't be as readily available. You know, Dylan Brooks getting the start, and you know they're basically at their normal starting five right now. Tari Eason was a guy coming off the bench that we liked a lot, but these are the regular starters. For Boston, there are no surprises, basically ever. Uh, Jason Tatum got ejected, but that's a big fat who cares, so we can keep on moving from there. Wizards blew out the Hawks. Wizards involved in a blowout. We always say, oh, hey, maybe the Wizards can keep a ball game competitive. This is not how I thought this one was going to go. But, uh, hey, you know, so be it. Um, the usual guys did fine for Washington. Luckily, they were able to get theirs because it was a positive distance blowout as opposed to a negative one. Denny Avdia has been hot lately, so keep rolling with him as long as that continues. DeLon Wright had a pretty good line here. So did Koulibaly. Those guys tend to do better in blowouts, so you can ignore and move beyond them. As far as Atlanta goes, it does kind of feel like this is a game that says this team needs to be sellers at the trade deadline. And we've been hearing DeJounte Murray's name involved in lots of trade rumors, so it shouldn't surprise anyone to hear that the Hawks are sellers. But this is the kind of game that says, look, maybe we should just sort of like retool all of it which makes someone like Clint Capella feel very tradable. Onyeka Okongwu would get a massive boost in value. If they move DeJounte Murray, other guys on the team get a bump. You know, Jalen Johnson, Sadiq Bey, even a DeAndre Hunter who's not in there right now. These guys all could potentially get more to do. And there's also, and I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon because Trey Young would lose his mind if the Hawks went into tank mode. They're the 11 seed right now, so it's not like they're that far out. 
but you can like the writing's on the wall. This is not a good basketball team. And I, like I'm wondering if any Trey Young led team can be a deep playoff run kind of basketball team just because of what it creates. Um but whatever this thing is, whatever this build is right now, it's not working. Oklahoma City beat Orlando. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is fully unguardable. Fully unguardable. He's questionable for their next ball game, uh, but they've got nothing to worry about because the Thunder are tied for the best record in the Western Conference at the moment. There are no real fantasy stories for the Thunder, but, I mean, Shea, holy crap, what a year he's having. As far as the magic goes, the Goga Batadze versus Mo Wagner uh, at center thing continues to flex back and forth. Probably best left alone. Caleb Houston is a three-point streamer for head-to-head leagues at best. Jalen Suggs has been, unfortunately, kind of on a downward trajectory. I think you got to give him longer, though. I don't know how long. It can't be indefinite, but he's been good enough to where he's earned himself the right to continue holding a roster spot. His minutes have just been going the wrong way. We, you know, he had some foul trouble. He was feeling under the weather. So I said, don't overreact to it. Um, and he had a few good ball games before this kind of weak stretch. But we really we need to see him get a little bit more consistent here. That's the thing that's been bugging me. It's not the whether or not he's good. It's whether he's consistent. And we've seen Orlando come back to earth a lot. They got off to a great start this year, but they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They're struggling to win away from home. They're the 8th seed right now, and no one's really breathing down their neck because the, the other play-in teams are pretty far back. So they right now are in pretty good shape to have home court in some sort of play-in scenario. But remember, for a while, they were like the 3-4 seed. But they've come back to earth, and a lot of that has to do with consistency. Some of it has to do with injury stuff. Cole Anthony is someone that also, like, they need him to run hot. He was a little bit better in this ball game, but he's a stream-well-warm dude, so not really one of those windows right now. And you can see that there's some frustration among the Orlando faithful to where they want to get Something a little bit more consistent going on. Warriors rested Steph. Rested, hurt, rested, whatever you want to call it. And so a lot of other guys got whole sorts of stuff to do. Klay Thompson took 23 shots. Okay. Uh, Dario Saric got another start, which may or may not happen when Draymond Green comes back. Brandon Pajemski got a start, and he was all amped up to try to fill in for Steph. So that was a much better spot for him. Jonathan Kaminga is trying to play his way into some trade value. He had, he had a very nice ball game. And I got all these questions that were like, oh, do I pick up Kaminga? Do I uh, run Pajemski out there every single ball game? Do I roll Sharich? The answer with this Warriors team is, we don't really know right now. I'd love to be able to say, oh, well, this is the way exactly how it's going to happen in like two days. But we don't know. Because Steph will be back, and Dre will be back, and everything changes when those dudes are out there. Among the fringier players, Pajemski is still the one with the best path to value. Question for him is whether or not he's fatiguing. And for a lot of these rookies, they hit these walls, and then they find a way to come out the other side. The question is, how long does it take them to get there? How many games of feeling tired and, like, legs in the mud, ankle weight kind of games does it take before they regain their strength? And I don't know that this is the game to say, oh, he's, he's back, baby. I think this was a Steph's out adrenaline kind of ball game, and so there's usually kind of a, a cost to pay on the other side of that. But Chris Paul is still out. 
for another month-ish, something like that. And Pods, as he's so affectionately known, is the point guard-type player among these dudes that probably figures to see activity. But there's no guarantee of that. When Draymond and Steph are in there with Clay and probably with Wiggins, and maybe it's Looney at center or Sharich or center, who comes off the bench and does enough? It's really hard to say. You kind of need to wait and see. If you're worried about somebody scooping up someone, Pajemski's the guy you probably want to just stick on your bench and say, all right, well, let's just see how this plays out. Kaminga, his minutes will probably bounce around a little bit. Um, he might be traded in the next couple of weeks as well. I know they're saying he's off limits, but do they mean it? We shall see. And Andrew Wiggins continues to be very bad, so at least we don't have to worry about that. We've already talked about Milwaukee, so let's jump over that one to Knicks and Zombie Grizzlies. The Knicks were without Jalen Brunson for this ballgame, so Miles McBride was like, I'll be Jalen Brunson for a day. And he had 19 points and four three-pointers on 10 shots, if you expect that to happen every ballgame. I have this lovely bridge I've just built, and it's for sale. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, let's not get nuts. Dante DiVincenzo is a continued play. His per-minute production this year is crazy. I don't know where it came from, but you got to roll with it. And certainly the bigger story in this game is the Memphis Grizzlies. Because, look, you're not going to get me to start Miles McBride, even if Brunson misses another ball game. Uh, because, yeah, sure, he could stay hot for one more. Or the opposite could happen, and he could shoot two for ten and get yanked early. Knicks are not very deep these days after their recent trade, but anyway. Okay, so Memphis. Memphis is a situation. They are currently without the entire starting five, I think. They're down Jaron Jackson Jr. They're down John Morant. They're down Marcus Smart. They are down Desmond Bain. The fifth starter, I think, was sort of question mark to start the year. Uh, so maybe you could say they do have their fifth starter, but they're down their four most important players right now. Meaning, what we get from this ball game is interesting, but we have to treat every single ball game as a one-game sample size right now. We know Jaws out for the year. We know Marcus Smart is out for probably another seven weeks. We know Desmond Bain is probably out for at least a couple of weeks. JJJ, uh, it's not entirely clear. Probably the uh, soonest among them to find his way back. Okay. So, uh, what does that mean we do here? Well, for one, uh, oh, Santi Aldama is also out, and then... Uh, Jake LaRavia got hurt in this ballgame as well, but that one's not quite as important. So, thing number one is, Luke Kennard has to be rostered right now. I know he didn't have the biggest game in this particular one, but they're going to push him as far as he can go, and he's their floor spacer, and if he's playing 30 minutes a night, which I don't know how long his body's going to handle it, but if he's going to play 30 minutes a night, he's going to probably average three or more three-pointers. The team is bad enough where I don't know how many of them are going to be open, but he's going to take a bunch. So that's number one. Number two, Xavier Tillman needs to be streamed right now, at the very least. And I don't know what's going to happen to him when JJJ comes back. 
And I definitely don't know what's going to happen when JJJ and Aldama are back. But they did drop Bismarck Biombo, so at least that's one player out of the way. But it could still become kind of a three-person monster. JJJ will probably play alongside Tillman for long stretches, but they're going to want to play Jaron at center for some of the time. Same story for Aldama. It'll be three guys fighting for those minutes instead of one. How much does it hurt? Unclear, but it will hurt some. So Tillman's a play right now, certainly while all of the other centers are out. GG Jackson, player none of us had heard of until this ballgame, basically had 20 points and six boards and 27 bench minutes. I am not picking up GG Jackson. He might have another big ballgame, but this one reeks of guy comes in, has opportunity, goes nuts. David Roddy, we've seen enough of him to know that his fantasy game is actually kind of weak. Mostly three-pointers, doesn't rebound or pass much. The steals come and go. He's basically a three-point guy, which is what I would have said about Luke Kennard, except they're going to need him to actually orchestrate a bit, given everybody else is out. We saw it in the previous game for Kennard. He had some rebounds and he had some assists as well. Vince Williams is a guy who probably needs to be rostered right now. I called him a speculative ad, and that was before Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson went down. Now with two more starters on the shelf, Vince Williams is going to basically have no uh, choice but to try to do a little bit of everything. So Vince Williams gets an up. Jacob Gilliard is a meh. I don't think I'm going to go the Gilliard path. I know he's a starting point guard, so he's just going to sort of blindly stumble into a few assists. But it doesn't seem like he wants to have much in the way of usage. It seems like he's mostly going to be orchestrating and just kind of setting things up for other dudes. Um, so I'll pass on him for the Roto side. You know, Memphis, what does Memphis's schedule look like this week? We haven't gotten to that part of the show. Uh, Memphis has a game on MLK Day, and then they're off until Thursday. It's a three-game week, so not a particularly great uh, schedule for the Grizzlies if you're looking head-to-head side. And then you're not worried about Zaire Williams or John Conshaw right now. So that was what I... I don't know if you guys remembered what I just said going through it. Quickly now, uh, Kennard, good to go. Tillman, good to go. Vince Williams, good to go right now. The other guys I'm probably passing for the moment. And then as soon as anybody comes back for the Grizzlies... We have to basically just scrap all of that and start over. The Pelicans went zombie mode, and they beat the Mavericks. You could pretty much throw out the Pels' side of this. They rested all of their key guys. No Zion, no Ingram, no McCollum. I think I'm forgetting somebody, but it doesn't really matter. So, yeah, Herb Jones. Oh, no Trey Murphy. Herb Jones had a good ball game because all those guys were out. Dyson Daniels had a good game because they were all out. Jordan Hawkins had a good game because they were all out. Jonas Valanciunas was the last man standing, and so he was fine. Don't worry about this. The only thing to remember is that if the Pelicans ever have another time where they're like, you know what, our schedule sucks right now. Um, how about instead of going from altitude to Dallas, we just sit everybody down. Scanning, scanning, scanning. There really isn't a time until like four or five weeks from now where that might come up again. They've got a, a Los Angeles-Portland back-to-back that maybe you see them dump everybody And so in that case, great. Pick up Hawkins, pick up Dyson Daniels, pick up Herb Jones. Uh, But until then, we don't really have to worry about it. So just kind of file it in the back of your mind for one month from now. No Luka Doncic on the Dallas side. Derek Jones Jr. hurt his calf in this ballgame as well. So the Mavs go from thin to thinner. Kyrie is going to do as much as he can until his body breaks down. I I don't like when he has to play 40 minutes. That's that's bad. Uh, But you can stream Tim Hardaway Jr., I'm not streaming Dwight Powell. I don't know where the eight assists came from in this ballgame, but that you know that ain't sticking. If Derek Jones has to sit as well, 
Maybe you think about a Josh Green stream. I don't think I would on the Roto side, so I'm probably just going Kyrie and Tim Hardaway Jr. for the Mavs' next ball game, unless we get some sort of positive news on uh, one of their other players. Took a lot, but Chicago did ultimately conquer the Spurs without Victor Wembanyama. This was like a do-we-really-need-to-pay-attention kind of ball game. Um, Alex Caruso, man. God, every team should... Sell every piece they have for Alex Caruso. He's one of the most important players in the NBA right now, and he does not get the love he deserves. He very much belongs on fantasy teams. He's number 86 on the year, and uh, right now his body is taking the full game punishment. Let's hope he can stay upright. You're generally starting the starters. Io DeSumo had a better ball game in this one um, for reasons that are not entirely clear, mostly because he got hot and shot 8 out of 9. But no, you're not going to roll with him. Start the starters for the Chicago Bulls. Zach Levine apparently still on the trade block, even though they're winning. If anything ch changes there, then we reassess. No Wemby, so Keldon Johnson got uh, a little bit more usage again in this one, and if you can sell after one good game, you should try, but I doubt you can, so I don't even know why I brought it up. Trey Jones, man, they finally are letting him run some offense, and he's been amazing. Make sure he's rostered and started everywhere as long as he's in the starting five. And the Lakers were without LeBron James. They lost Cam Reddish early in this ballgame as well, so they got Rui Hachimura back, and, you know, one comes back, two go down. D'Angelo Russell, 39-8 and with six three-pointers, took 26 shots. I mean, I said on... When did we do our buy low show last week, Wednesday or Thursday? And I said D-Low was your prime buy low of the week. I didn't think this type of game was happening. I'd love to say, oh, this is exactly why I brought up D'Angelo Russell. No, this was obviously because LeBron was out. But what it does give you is a shimmering example of what D-Low can do when he's given some leash to work with. Kids still got... Frickin' offensive game. He can't guard anybody and he can't rebound, but damn if he can't score and orchestrate. He's excellent on offense. And the Lakers, like, they just keep saying they need to get their defense better, but the offense has been atrocious. They got to guard the three-point line and have consistent offense. And in this ball game, uh, they needed to not foul people. It's so funny, man. I did that long segment on whatever show it was after everybody was like, Leia, oh, the NBA is rigged. The Lakers got all these foul shots against Toronto. Nobody said a word after this ball game. Utah, I think, outshot them like 15-2 to two in the fourth quarter or something like that. It was almost an equally insane number, but nobody cared. So, guys, all of that to say, it happens. The only time we talk about it is when it's the Lakers. So just forget about that stupid crap. And then I don't have to talk about it again. Anyway, as far as fantasy goes, um, I expect LeBron will be back for the next ball game. But if he's not, D'Lo obviously gets a big boost. Reeves usually gets a big boost, but he fouled out in this ball game and, and kind of got picked on defensively. Really struggled at that end of the floor in this game. Uh, Rui Hachimura is interesting, basically, if you need points. Not much else there. Torian Prince, if you need three-pointers. Christian Wood's been on a pretty good kick lately, and... I think, had an opportunity to do a little more with no LeBron also. But again, a lot of this assessment is without LeBron, which, I mean, Saturday had a lot of key guys out. Utah had their guys in, and uh, we had a John Collins resurgent here game. He was, you know, sitting like 140 range for the last two months, and then all of a sudden he had one gigantic ball game. 
Was it because they were playing the Lakers, who can't rebound or guard anybody? You do the math. Yes, by the way, that's the reason why. Utah's been awesome lately. They've been splitting up the pie every ball game. But Markinen, Sexton, and typically Kessler, who just got worked by Anthony Davis in this one, so that's why Kessler's minutes were low. He couldn't. He just couldn't hang in this ball game. Chris Dunn is someone that I had looked at as a stream lately, but because Keontae George was playing so well in this one, Dunn's minutes were lower. John Collins' minutes being higher also impacted guys like Ochai Abaji uh, and Walker Kessler and Simone Fontecchio and Kelly Olynyk. Utah's going to roll hot hand a little bit. So the safe ones continue to be Markinen, Sexton, and Kessler. Don't care about this one being one bad game. The next rung down, the sort of like more schedule type plays are Jordan Clarkson because, look, he cooled off a lot in this ballgame. Managed to rescue his day with an 8-for-8 free throw shooting night, but you know how things roll with him when he goes hot cold. John Collins is also kind of a hot cold guy. I prefer to use him only for schedule streams right now, not against the Roto Games cap. Chris Dunn is in that next group as well. The minutes haven't been quite as safe. Typically, lately, you could use him against the Games cap because of all the defensive stats, but again, I get it. If you're not looking for someone who scores four points a game, then that becomes sort of a tougher sell. Uh, who played on Friday that didn't go over the weekend? That's the the game we always play here on... Whoops, that's the wrong day on Fantasy NBA Today. Um, Philly is one that played on Friday. They were without Joel Embiid, although they're hoping to have him back for the next ball game. Um, uh, DeAnthony Melton sounds like he might miss their next one if he re-aggravated his back. That would be a positive for Kelly Oubre Jr., if he's back for the next one, which they expect him to be, but if there's no Embiid, you can go Paul Reed. And if there's no Embiid and no Melton, then you certainly go Kelly Oubre. If it's just no Melton, Oubre is kind of a coin flip in a spot like that. So try to... Sorry, I got my monitor all tweaked here. Um, that's something to keep in mind as you sort of roll forward through that. Uh, Detroit is another team that didn't play over the weekend. The Pistons... Made a trade, actually, on Sunday morning. Nobody cares. Marvin Bagley got shipped to Washington uh, along with Isaiah uh, Livers, and um, they brought back Danilo Gallinari, I believe. I already forgot. It doesn't matter. For fantasy purposes, it means nothing at all uh, because Jalen Duran is the center. The only way that this matters is if Duran gets hurt again because they basically would have no choice but to play James Wiseman or go all Isaiah Stewart at center. I guess that's still a possibility. If you guys are wondering why I'm afraid of Jaden Ivey, he had 18-7-8 here, which sounds fantastic, but uh, killed you at the field goal, killed you at the free throw line, couple of turnovers. He's a points league darling. That's the long and short of it. Kevin Knox got the fill-in start in this one with Boyan Bogdanovich out, uh, but no, I'm not picking up Kevin Knox. Alec Burks is probably playable in most formats right now. And... I think you just have to like sit and pray that Ivy doesn't destroy you in the percentages if you want to go that path. I'm not. That was a talk about a trade that didn't matter at all. The Portland Trailblazers, who I mentioned we would talk about uh, because we haven't their game on Sunday hasn't happened yet. Th their team's ridiculous right now. Everybody's out for them on Sunday. Jeremy Grant out. Matisse Thybul out. Ibu Baji out. Malcolm Brogdon out. DeAndre Ayton out. Shaden Sharp out. Time Lord, obviously, out for the year. 
Somehow, Anthony Simons is uh, alive for this game on Sunday night. I don't have the first flying clue how that happened, but okay. Um, maybe he puts up enough numbers before they get blown out in three quarters. We'll see. So here's the thing. Uh, Portland's another team right now that you kind of have to take on the day-to-day because with all of these guys out, Jabari Walker's going to have no choice but to have a big ball game, and uh, Tumani Kamara's probably going to have a decent game, and Duop Reed's probably going to have an okay game. Even if they're getting blown out, there just aren't really other options for the Blazers right now because they've got like seven guys out. There's nobody left. Even in garbage time, they're going to have no choice but to play some of those starters. The one that they'd probably say no way would be Simons, but like Scoot would probably play in garbage time. Do we care? Probably not. But the Blazers are a mess. I can't possibly in good faith say, oh, here's a guy to pick up because I have no idea who's going to play for them in their next ballgame. The nice thing about this is we're getting a look at silly season early. They're not going to be silly season the rest of the way. At some point, they're going to play their regulars again, probably in the next week, week and a half. So whatever you get right now, assume it's short term. But what we are seeing is like, okay, look, late March rolls around. Jabari Walker's probably going to be a silly season winner kind of guy. And maybe Duop Reith will be as well. And maybe Tamani Kamara will be as well. And certainly Scoot Anderson will probably be in that mix. But for now, short term. Everything's short term because everybody's hurt on every damn team. And I think Toronto is the one other club. Oh, Phoenix. But actually, we talked about their last game, which was on Thursday. So we don't actually have to cover Phoenix. Toronto is the other one. Uh, there weren't many things to pay attention to there other than kind of trying to figure out who was going to get the backup center minutes. And it looked like it might be Thad Young, but he got run off the court in their loss in Utah. Jonte Porter picked up most of the center's minutes, and he had a pretty good fantasy game. But unless he gets moved into the starting five, I'm not picking him up. If we find out that Porter is going to be the starting center for the Raptors going forward, I probably would have him. But I feel like the next move for Toronto is Siakam starting at center and Gary Trent moving into the starting five. I guess we'll see. I don't know. Uh, Jakob Pertl is out at least another week. So whatever's happening here, we're going to get a few more games to check it out. Uh, and in the meantime, you probably don't play any of those fringy guys. I'm not playing Porter unless I find out he's starting. I'm not playing Thad Young even if he's starting and I'm not playing Gary Trent even if he's starting, because I'd like to see him actually get enough shots for it to matter. And that was your review portion of the podcast. What about what's coming up? Before we do that, reminder, everybody, to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, uh, watching live or after the fact on Twitter, watching live or after the fact on YouTube, subscribe subscribe. That's the key here. Subscribe to the show. That's the way that we continue to grow. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, likes go, uh, I don't want to say a long way, but they go a uh, medium way. So uh, whatever you can do on that front also would be excellent. Thank you in advance for that. Um, And let's get now to the week ahead, which is a little bit of a weird one because it's MLK week, which is actually maybe the best uh, basketball day of the season because you've got games from first thing in the morning until the end of the night and there's a bunch of them like Christmas on steroids what a weird way to frame it but whatever that's what it is 
So let's take a quick look at it uh, on your screen here. If you're, again, if you we got a visual aid for you, it can be kind of useful. Um, this is the streaming schedule that's available to premium subscribers over at sportsethos.com. I'm showing you a very small cross-section of it. It's much more useful if you can use it in its entirety. Basically, this is your calendar running lengthwise, left to right, and every team's games, and you can see how they line up. Yahoo has something like this that shows you, you know, like the next handful of games, but you can't see it for all the teams. You can see it for all the players, which is a pain in the butt to try to navigate. So what about what's coming up here? Well, uh, today, the 14th, it's too late for you to do anything with it at this point, so we'll already look towards tomorrow. The 15th, a lot of teams play. It's likely an overflow day, so in all likelihood, you probably don't need to use a move on Monday unless you're not maxed out, in which case you could look at Philadelphia because they have a Monday-Tuesday back-to-back. Uh, Oklahoma City also has a Monday-Tuesday back-to-back. They are in Los Angeles for those. But if you're like most teams and you're overflowing on MLK Day, you're looking to start using moves on Tuesday of this coming week, which is a very, very light day, and nobody has a Tuesday-Wednesday back-to-back. So if you're making a move on Tuesday and you're like, ooh, Denver looks interesting, well, the problem there is they don't play again until Friday and Sunday. The Clippers play on Tuesday. Yeah, well, they don't play again until Sunday. Oklahoma City, as part of this back-to-back Monday-Tuesday, they at least go Thursday and Saturday. Philly also only, they're off until Friday. Phoenix, they go Tuesday, they're off until Friday and Sunday. Sacramento has a two-game week, but it's Tuesday-Thursday, so it's sort of lighter traffic days. It's a very, very strange week. Thursday's not super light. I think there are five games on Thursday, if I'm remembering right. So it's not like that's a day where you can get a massive advantage, but it's very unlikely to be an overflow day. And it's why you could almost game out your week to say, you know what, if I don't need anybody Monday, tomorrow, for this moment, but I know some of you are going to watch this first thing Monday morning, I could go Sacramento because their two games are on two of the best days of the week. Because Wednesday is a 10-gamer. You might actually have an overflow on Wednesday. Eh, It's questionable. Like, you might be at nine games, uh, so getting one extra could still help. But it probably helps more to guarantee you get that Tuesday-Thursday. And then on Friday, let's say you went Sacramento, someone like a Trey Lyles or a Harrison Barnes or Kevin Herter or one of these fringy types. You play them in Phoenix and against Indiana and some high-scoring games. Then you pivot the calendar, and you're looking at Friday, Saturday, Sunday as an opportunity to try to set yourself up for the rest of the week. So maybe you go two moves on Tuesday and two moves on Friday and call it. That's your week. Those are your four moves. The nice thing about Friday to Sunday is that a lot of teams play twice those final three days. In fact, I think you can count on two hands how many teams don't. Here are the teams that don't play twice Friday through Sunday. Chicago, Cleveland, Dallas, Detroit, Golden State, uh, the Clippers, the Grizzlies, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Pelicans, Knicks, Thunder, Sacramento has none, and then Toronto, Utah. So there's like probably half the NBA to pick from, maybe a little bit more, that has two games over that stretch. And so if you want to get really clever, You could look all the way to the following Monday and say, okay, well, which teams then have three games in four days starting on Friday? Well, you've actually got an okay number there, too. Atlanta, 
has three games in four days from Friday of this week until Monday of next week. This is a way to start your next week with a nice full schedule. Atlanta, Boston, Charlotte are all choices there. Uh, you've got Orlando, Philadelphia, Phoenix, San Antonio. I lost track of how many I said there. Is that seven or eight teams to pick from starting on Friday? So when you've got like, you know, unfortunately on Tuesday, you really only have one team to pick from. But by Friday, you've got like seven or eight teams to pick from that can get you all the way to the following week. And then you're again looking at potentially not making your moves until Tuesday of next week. And that's probably how I would look at streaming this coming this upcoming week. The last thing I want to take a look at here uh, are the the basically the tough calls, which is effectively um, start or sit, because there are a bunch of guys where you're in uh, a little bit of a start or sit hell, and um, best way to do that I think is for me to just basically look at the the top ranked dudes and run through them pretty quick. Um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander has a little bit of a right knee issue going on. They've got a great schedule this week, so I feel like you kind of have to go for it. Joel Embiid is also hoping to be back this week, so you kind of have to go for it there as well. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is a no. Luka Doncic is doubtful for their game on Monday. Dallas is a three-game week. You know he's going to try to get back in time for their game in L.A. on Wednesday. Um, oh, that's a tough call, man, because if he ends up as a one-game week, you're in real trouble. Doubtful for Monday. Mm. Uh, it's not a good ankle sprain, guys. Oh, man, you're probably starting Doncic and hoping you're getting one and a half out of him. But, boy, that's a tough call. LeBron, I would say, is a go. McCollum is a go. Just looking at him as a guy who missed their last ball game. Desmond Bain is a no because his ankle sprain sounds kind of bad. Jalen Brunson is questionable for the Knicks' next ball game. Uh, they have a four-game week, so I would start him and expect that you get two or three or maybe you get lucky and get all four. Uh, let's keep moving here through the top 75. Keegan Murray? Oh, he left partway. I didn't even realize that. That just happened. Uh, Keegan Murray left partway with a hip irritation. Uh, Kings with this two-game week. You got to hold him through at least Tuesday. I mean, not hold. You, uh, it's a two-game week. They're on good days. Probably sit him. Probably sit Keegan Murray. Um, Jaron Jackson is dealing with a right knee contusion. Ah, Grizzlies are are notoriously bad with injury reporting. I believe they have a three-game week, we said before, right? Uh, JJJ, if he only plays two games this week? Oh, man. Hopefully we get more news on him first thing in the morning. I I, uh, I don't know that we're gonna, though. When is their... What time is their game tomorrow? Oh, man, it's not till three in the afternoon. Yeah, that's... I'm guessing he'll just be questionable all day until we get a late call, and that's a tough one, man. Oh, uh, I'm stumped on JJJ. Start, uh, start him and hope for two, maybe. Jimmy Butler is traveling with the Heat. Um, he might be back for their game. Um, on MLK Day, it's, I believe, a four-game week for Miami. So I might actually consider starting Jimmy Butler this week. 
Man, I'm really sitting on that JJJ call. I don't know what to do there. Franz Wagner's already been ruled out for the MLK Day game, so I think you got to keep him on your weekly bench. Same with Mark Williams. DeAndre Ayton was questionable for the Sunday game. They're off for a couple of days. I don't know how you start him without actually knowing for sure that he's playing, so that's probably a no. DeAnthony Melton is out with the uh, lumbar spine issue. We don't know how long that's going to take. It's part of a back-to-back, so maybe they're being a little bit careful there, but I wouldn't risk it. Uh, Jalen Brown dealing with a hyperextension of his knee. The Celtics go four times, so I think I'd probably start Jalen Brown and hope you get three. I don't know much farther we need to go on this one. Um, all the Pels that set out the last one, I think you probably sit them. Uh, Darius Garland, sit him until we get some kind of a go on him. And uh, Aaron Neesmith... I mean, if there's really any question there, then you probably just leave a dude on the bench. Indiana, uh, four-game week, that's sort of back-loaded. So maybe you could go for it if you don't have any other choices there, but I don't know that I would take that risk. It feels, frankly, a little bit unnecessary. And that, I think, is going to be our show. Managed to cram it all into about 45 minutes, which I think is pretty good as far as pacing goes, don't you? Um, Quick check here on the chat room. Uh, Question about the Isaiah Jackson-Miles Turner minute split. It does kind of feel like the Pacers have been trying to keep Miles Turner's minutes a bit in check. He had foul trouble on Sunday, though. If you're worried about that one, he had five fouls in 26 minutes. Isaiah Jackson has been playing better, so he's kind of earned, you know, 15, 16, 17 minutes instead of 13 or 14. And Miles' minutes on the season have been maybe a little bit lower than we all expected. He's at 27 and three quarters, basically. He's under 28 minutes a game. That's why he's not in the top three rounds this year. Uh, I wouldn't expect this to be more uh, a trend, really. I, you know, I, foul trouble played a role, but I also do think that Jackson getting 16, 17, 18 minutes feels like a repeatable thing, for whatever that's worth. Makes him kind of deeper league play. And then sort of on that same vein, uh, Parker here asked, would you rather have Goga Batadze, Isaiah Jackson, or Trace Jackson Davis rest of season? Well, the Goga one is whether or not the magic move Wendell Carter Jr. Because if he comes back, then Goga, we saw the three-headed monster there, was a disaster. We have no idea what's going to happen in Golden State with Draymond Green coming back. So I'd probably say Isaiah Jackson here in kind of a weird twist, but he could also disappear. So I don't know that any of these guys is when we were like, oh yeah, rest of season, this is going to work. They all are kind of like, "Uh, could things break their way for a couple of weeks? Sure, why not? Who do you trust more, Draymond Green or Xavier Tillman? I don't know that either of them is inside the top 100 the rest of the way, but the Grizzlies are going to be shutting people down, and the Warriors are not. Uh, So both of these guys have different paths to value. Draymond's just getting old now. So um, you probably go Draymond just because of his sort of unique stat set and how we've seen Tillman get onto these little bursts and then completely vanish. Uh, but I'm, I reserve the right to change my opinion in like three weeks if the Grizzlies are not bothering to bring any of their guys back, and then you go Tillman. Crap, maybe you even go Tillman now and just assume that he's going to get to play down the stretch. Is that a good assumption? I don't know. Should I trade De'Aaron Fox for Keegan Murray or Bradley Beal? No, you should not. And how do we view Jonas Valanciunas' value the rest of the season? I mean, it seems like he could just keep doing what he's doing. He's fallen a little bit. He's outside the top 50 now, but he's still having a great year. And, you know, the he's he's 
been solid for them. Probably loses a couple of touches here and there, minutes here and there because of Larry Nance being healthy again. But how long does that even last? Parker says, kids don't get the Brooklyn Bridge reference. Yeah, what are you going to do? I'm an old man now. I'm off to go uh, get my voice back by uh, sucking on some Werther's Originals. Thanks again for watching, everybody. Again, I know I didn't expect many people to be with us live for this one right in the middle of a... I think I got the uh, Rams-Lions playoff game going off to the side here. Uh, but I do appreciate everybody checking out the show, whether it's now, later, whatever. Like, rate, subscribe. Go check out our buddies at manscaped.com with promo code ETHOS20. Hit up the Discord. That link is in the show description. Make sure to follow. I know some of you probably are just seeing this as you're, like, scrolling by on Twitter in the For You column. Um, you might have think that you already follow me, and you don't. So please do that as well. It's at Dan Vespers over on social. Sportsethos.com is the website. Ethos Fantasy BK to get your news over on social media. This is Fantasy NBA Today, and... Uh, I think that's that. I might throw together like a bonus afternoon show tomorrow while the games are all rolling along. Maybe a buy low, maybe one of these other ideas that I've been kicking around in my brain for the better part of God knows how long. I have all these amazing show ideas, he says in a very modest way. I have all these show ideas that I've been wanting to do for weeks and between kids being sick and winter break and blah, blah, blah. I just haven't had time to do it. But like, maybe this is the week because we knocked out a show here on Sunday. Does it open things up? We'll see. We'll see. I'm looking at the list of shows I want to do. I've done one, two, three, four of these ideas so far. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other ideas that I haven't even been able to get into. Ah, it pains me. All right. Well, maybe this is the week. Stay tuned. Gets another good reason to subscribe, right? Right? Of course it is. Of course it is. Hey, go get some at Manscaped again. That's, um, keeps them a longtime partner for us. And thank you again to the Believe Network for joining forces with us here at Fantasy NBA Today and Sports Ethos. That's a really cool thing that, uh, that we've been able to have going on these days. Thank you to those that were with us live for this show. I didn't expect any of you here, but cool that a couple of you were. Go enjoy the rest of your NFL playoff stuff, and I'll be back uh, over on social to break down some games in a tweet storm later tonight. Uh, we'll get you ready for MLK first thing in the morning. So long for now, everybody. Have a great rest of your Sunday. 